dream, I'll be your wish, I'll be your fantasy. I'll be your hope, I'll be your love, be everything that you need. I love you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply too. I will be strong, I will be faithful, cause I'm counting on a new beginning. A reason for living, a deeper meaning. I want to stand with you on the mountain. I want to bathe with you in the sea. I want to lay like this forever. Until the sky falls down on me. Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. This is a special episode. We have current college student-athletes as guests to discuss the recruiting stories and how their careers are going as they enter their senior years. Michael Meese of Trinity University in San Antonio and Augie Cooper of the College of William & Mary joined Justin Chesham, the men's coach at Christopher Newport University, and I in a conversation that covers a lot of ground, including their individual recruiting processes, their experiences as teammates in college, the transfer portal, how their careers are going, and a little reminiscing. The song in the intro and outro is discussed in the podcast and has significance for Mike Lenaghi and their old youth teammates. Please continue to subscribe and share the podcast and follow Match Play on social media. Both of you had fantastic offers from your absolute favorite coach growing up. And it's a beautiful school with great academics right around the corner from your house. Your family can come watch you play all the time. And neither one of you said yes. And I mean, it just, what an eye-opening thing. Maybe you can help the audience and explain to them how you can make such a terrible decision to, to choose other places. It was just, wow, what a, what a surprise to everybody. <laughs> and Mike, you got it? Yeah. Augie first. All right. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm Augie Cooper. I, decided to go to Wayne Mary over CNU. Those are my two, uh, two top offers. Um, so yeah, I think the main reason is I kind of grew up, I grew up around both programs. Um, I think more so Wayne Mary, just because it's 10 minutes away rather than 25 minutes away. Um, going to the camps every summer, just getting to know that team kind of by being around it and just going to see games. Um, I mean, I had a great experience on both my visits at CNU and William Mary. But I think what it boiled down to was just I did want to go play D1. William Mary was my only D1 offer, and that's kind of what I wanted to do since I was little. That was kind of my main goal. And, you know, I thought William Mary would be the right fit for me. Not that CNU wouldn't be the right fit, but I just chose William Mary over CNU. Sure. I mean, look, look, bud, you, you grew up on that campus. You, you knew Norris, Coach Norris, for a long, long, long time. And uh, I would imagine that you've had dreams of playing for that team when you were a little kid. And then I get it, man. I mean, how many conversations did we have about this? You know, it's like uh, I, I totally Too understand the process with you. And, you know, as soon as, as soon as Coach made the made the offer to you, you know, we, we kind of knew it was coming, too. I was kind of hinting to you. I, I think it's coming soon. And so, no, I, I think you made an awesome decision. I, I, I wish you came to us, of course. Uh, I would have loved to have both of you. But, you know, it's, as you, if you listen to any of these other podcasts, you'll know that I'm, I'm all about you guys. As long as you're making an awesome decision for the right reasons, 
what, what am I going to say? You chose a great school, a good program, and you're going to be taken care of and you get an awesome degree. So you obviously made a fantastic decision. So, Thank uh, you. you know, I just, I get an opportunity to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of joshing around. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's always fun. anytime you see me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Michael, you had a, you had a different route. Um, you, what, when exactly did you commit? Cause I was, you were offered pretty early and, uh, you know, why don't you explain like kind of your timeline too? Yeah. So I was offered around when I was my sophomore year of, uh, of high school. And during that time I was, you know, very, not, not immature, immature is the wrong word, but I just looked at life a lot differently than I do now. Then I wanted to stay home close to my parents. I was like, I would, you know, I didn't want to go super far away to like, you know, the West coast or, you know, deep down the East coast. Um, and I thought it was a great school. Both my parents worked there and money was, money was nice. And so if you, I'm 15 at the time, if you add up all those things, you know, then it's like, oh sure, it's a great, great move. You know, I'll go there, I'll score 40 goals. I'll break every record like I, <laughs> like I was when I was, uh, when I was younger. So I didn't think about it too much in terms of, you know, where I would have been four years after I would have committed I looked at it more like, you know what? I love being home. Love my family. I love the offer. I love the program. Um, but I kind of looked at it more just in an immature way than rather where would I be in four or five, six years. And then unfortunately, both unfortunately, unfortunately, COVID happened. And I was in my bedroom for a year straight in my senior year of high school. Um, I had no season my senior year. Same with Augie, um, no, se no season really, my freshman year of college. And same hometown, the same small group of friends and family that I've been around with my entire life. And, and eventually I was just like, you know what, this can't be it for my story in college. I have to go up, grow up. I have to move somewhere different, make new friends, meet new people, experience new things. And I was like, you know what, I, I want to go. So I didn't know exactly where at the time when I was in the portal. Um, <clears throat> But it ended up working out really well. But thankfully to you guys in this in this chat right now. But uh, it worked out really well for me. So I'm very happy. I ended up in Trinity University in uh, in San Antonio. So yeah, you geez, um, a little hey cheese. Let's that? give a little background on these guys and uh, and then hang on to that question, okay? Sure, sure. Like, so uh, I don't mean to uh, like go yeah. in the background or the the conversation, but go ahead. You want me to give them some background? I can do that. Yeah. So if we got, like uh, yeah, well, we got two buddies that have been teammates for a long time here. We got, uh, Augie Cooper and, uh, Michael Meese. They've been teammates through the Virginia legacy soccer club. And then, uh, they were teammates at Jamestown high school and then teammates at William and Mary. And, uh, actually, I remember the first time I saw these two boys, uh, they were, I think it was U 10 and you guys were the Williamsburg version and coach Shaw was coaching the East end. And, uh, Coach couldn't be there. Something was coming up, and he gave me a call. He goes, hey, man, you got to cover this game, and you can't lose. You have to win this game. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what is this? They're 10. Like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> but he talks about, he goes, look, they've got two kids that I want on my team next year. If you lose the game, then, you know, I'm not going to get those kids. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know who these kids are. You know, no big deal. So I go to the game. I'm coaching the game. I know our boys a little bit. You know, Sam Weber is out there and some of these other guys and Riley Coggins and some of these goofballs. And uh, the game's really good, and it, it shouldn't have been. I thought that our team was better than your team, 
but you guys had YouTube. And so, you know, the boys were really struggling handling Michael and then Augie was cleaning up everything out of the back and it was a really, really, really tight game. And uh, I remember calling Steve at the end. I said, well, we won the game, but I, I really, I see why you really want these two boys. I mean, these two boys are going to really kind of change the the trajectory of this age group. And uh, so you guys, you made the jump. Did anybody else come over with you two? Was it just you two? Just us, I think. And then the next year after that, that's when I took you guys and we went to 13, I think. And that's when Jack Hansen and uh, Logan and some of the old, uh, the Williamsburg boys joined us. And, um, so, but yeah, so they had an awesome career, uh, you know, Augie and Michael uh, had a lot of accolades and, you know, won a lot of awards, won some championships and uh, both went off uh, to have some pretty solid college careers so far. Of course, you're hearing a little bit about Michael transferring out of William and Mary after one year. Uh, both of them, their first, their freshman year was a COVID canceled season. So that wasn't fun. Um, but uh, Michael decided during that time to transfer and, you know, we'll dive into that story a little bit, but uh, you know, I was very blessed to coach these boys when they were young. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I still sing that song that we had uh, every once in a while. I still play that thing on YouTube. It's a pretty cool. I was coaching you guys at like 12 years old. That was a lot of fun. And then, uh, then I took you guys back one more time, right? We coached you. Was that your junior year? I had you guys one more year. That wasn't yeah. your senior year, right? It was your junior year. Junior. Yeah. Cause who did you have your, who you're supposed to have your senior year? Was that Paul? Paul. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so that was, that was fun, you know, to be able to be in the, towards the beginning of your careers and at the end there. And then, uh, you know, watching you guys online, I watched Michael, I watched you play a couple of games this, uh, well, two seasons ago, I guess. And of course, yeah. Augie, you know, I watch you play online and then we get to play against you every spring. So that's a lot of fun talking trash to you during the game. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to playing against you, Michael, in a real game. And so I can talk trash to you too. So I hope so. Fun time. Wait. It'll be good. Yep. Yeah, so get back to it. I'm sorry. I, I just felt like we needed to, you know. No, that's that's ahead. perfect. And uh, I, I look, um, you know, Michael, we'll start with the, the transfer thing. So, you know, this is – we're talking a little bit before the podcast started, and we said, uh, you know, the transfer portal, if you just listen to the, the, the podcast, it just seems, you know, don't you don't want to go into it. You don't want to go into it. There's a lot of negativity, it seems like, coming from the coaches or whoever's talking about it. But – the portal is there for a reason and you are one of the reasons that it's a really really good thing you know you were in a good spot you loved your school you had money coming to you from a scholarship and you were playing and you loved your guys and one of your best buddies is on the team i mean why would you want to leave but you found something you didn't realize was part of your life uh while you were there and you're like man i i don't even just want to i don't want to just like leave the school i want to i want to go somewhere far away and experience something completely brand new and you didn't think about it until you got there right so you know why don't you explain a little bit about how you came to the conclusion to end up at trinity and you know other options that you had and you know just kind of give us some give us some feedback there sure yeah so i guess to start out with like i said in the beginning i kind of committed not a bit too early i would say before i fully had um, checked every box. So if I was, you know, 14 year old me and I was committing to a university, I would definitely wait until I was a junior or a senior. Um, I think there's no, there's no harm in waiting at all. You're two years wiser, two years better at soccer. You know, you can never, you never imagine what could happen in two years. Um, so looking back, I think I would have changed that 
not that what happened to me was a bad thing. I definitely think that um, it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Um, but transferring itself was an interesting process because all it is is you kind of call your admissions counselor or whoever you call, and then 10 minutes later, your, your email, like your Gmail that you've been using your entire life is just filled with emails from college coaches. So I went from, I think we finished our last game, and then I talked to Coach Norris, great, a great guy, um, a few days later. And then the next day, I'm just in my home. And then, you know, all these random schools are, hey, we, you know, you're from William Mary. That's a, that's a great school. You know, not many people transfer from there. You know, why did you transfer? So it was really interesting. And then um, I had no idea where I wanted to go. Uh, I was looking in California and places in the Northeast. And luckily, you know, Cheese right here helped me out a lot. And he knew coach, my coach in Trinity, Paul McGinley, and, you know, the rest was history. And that worked out that way. But I think it is a good thing, the transfer portal, just because, you know, if you're 14, you can't be expected to make a choice that will last you eight more years. Say you commit when you're a freshman or a sophomore. Say you take a fifth year or, or you're a senior, you know, that's eight, seven, eight years of your life that you're, that rides on that one decision. So I think in my, in my, um, opinion and in my case it worked really well just because you know it's a big life decision that weighs in just one choice and if you want to change that four years later then i think you should be able to so yeah that's well, a, it's, a short story it's interesting um if you you guys know your girls teams especially michael when you were william mary the, the william mary girls when do they when do they commit you know they're most of those girls are really early in the process even younger than you were michael and you were one of the earlier ones on the boys side and uh, I mean, you hear girls committing as freshmen, you know, it's just like blows your mind. And to your point, Michael, you made a great point. Like how different were you from your sophomore year of high school to your senior year of high school? And then oh, yeah. really how different were you after just one semester of college in the COVID environment? I mean, one of the things I do at Christopher Newport is I ask my guys during their sophomore year, how different were you, you know, at the end of the sophomore year? So they're now 18 months or so into college. How different are you today than you were when you checked in? And almost every single one of them has laughed. I mean, they're just like, I can't believe how different I am. Yeah. You know, my life's changed so much. And, you know, it's just it's just a completely different environment, you know. And it's interesting to compare you to, you know, Augie, you were, uh, you're the same age. You grew up together and you see your buddy commit and you commit. When do you commit? It's like two years later, almost 18 months later. You committed, yeah. was it spring of your senior year? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, two different paths. And um, so why don't you talk about, you know, that I know you alluded to it already, but, you know, your timing, you know, because I think timeline's critical here. You know, Michael committed early and you committed in the spring. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think you can't commit Division One in the spring or anything like that, which, of course, is not true. So why don't you talk about your timeline a little bit and, um, you know, how you ended up there? Yeah, so I guess everything or all – offers and interests that I had were D3, pretty much my whole whole recruiting process. Um, so ever since I was able to talk to coaches, coaches were able to talk to me, it was all D3 schools. And I guess William Mary was only kind of an option because, or not an option, but they were, I was on the radar because I was in town. They could easily drive five minutes and come watch me play when I played a home game. Mm -hmm. So the time, I guess, Going into my senior year, seeing, you know, people I play with not in our club, like, I guess from ODP, 
um, different camps, just different friends that I've made throughout my soccer career. And then obviously seeing Michael commit very early to a school that I did want to go to. Um, definitely, I felt pressure. I definitely was like, am I running out of time? Do I need to make this decision and just go to one of these D3 schools? Um, so I think waiting was definitely, in my case, the best scenario. It all worked out very well. Um, so yeah, when I got that, when I got that offer, it was, it was definitely worth all the waiting and kind of that struggle, emailing all these coaches, not getting responses, not getting looks, and all that. So I think it all kind of worked out how it was supposed to, even though the timing was a lot later than most people. Well, you said something. You said something critical there, and I, I, I wouldn't call it waiting. I'd call it patience, and which is great. And uh, uh, you know, you, you just mentioned it. One of your best buddies committed, and you felt pressure. And I can't tell you how many kids I've heard that from. Um, you know, we've talked about the girls' side as well. There's a coach that uh, I actually he was my ninth grade English teacher. He's a Northern Virginia coach, and he's coached some some fantastic club national championship girls teams. And he had one girls team a few years ago. He was telling me the story because one of the girls was at CNU. She was the only girl on the national championship club team that went division three. And so I was talking to him about her. She's an awesome kid. I got to know her a little bit. And I said, well, talk about all the other girls because he had some rock star kids that went on to really big time places. And he kind of looked at me a little bit dejected and said, nine of the girls that were committed that went to the, you know, the division one schools or went to anywhere, I should say nine of them uh, all were in the transfer portal and left within a year, nine of them. And, you know, I said, well, what, what happened? And it was just like, most of them committed so early. They just, they took an offer right when they got it. Uh, one girl committed and the next, within a week, five more committed for that exact reason, what you're talking about, Augie, where they felt, man, I, I got to commit. You know, Susie committed. I got to commit too. I got to commit too. And, um, you know, it's, you, you waited, you were patient. Um, you had other offers. You had some schools that were reaching out to you, but that didn't feel like home. I'm assuming. Otherwise yeah. you were committed to those places. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it's good to, it's good to be patient. It's good to make that decision. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't love that other school and you end up not playing, you're, yeah. you're not going to stay there. Let's be real. It's not, exactly. it's not working, of course. So yeah. I think another thing, um, not even just like soccer teammates and friends that I have were committing, it was like other sports at my school were committing. Like our class, me and Michael's high school class, we had a good amount of D1 commits. And I'm like, I'm going to look like the worst athlete in the in the grade if I don't like commit now or commit like to a D1 school. Sure. But I mean, I don't think that was the main reason. It was just, once again, having that patience to like, I really want to go to this one spot. So not jumping the gun and kind of doing something that I would regret later down the line. I think that's a big thing. And I don't, I don't think I really realized I was doing that, but I think just yeah. having my eye set on that one goal helped me get you, through all that. You also had a really good offer that you were like, all right, if I don't get this other offer, I've got this awesome home that I'm going to really enjoy and love. And I, I'm kind of joking here, but no, not, as much as we joke about that, that's right. exactly how it was. But, and you know, like, obviously we're talking about our relationship here and my offer to you. And this is something that is critical that a lot of kids don't know. There are, there are coaches out there that'll say, I need to know in 48 hours. I need to know you have two weeks. You need to let me know in two weeks. Sometimes they're telling kids that are like early in their junior year, 
mm-hmm. which that's fine. Like I'm not attacking a coach here or anything like that. That's they want their program to run that way and they're going to get kids that way. And I totally respect that. And sometimes they get some really good monsters that way, yeah. you know, but my offer to you was, look, you know, I love you, kid. You can come play for me. Um, I know that you have a dream school and I, I get that and I respect that. So why don't we wait it out until then? But if you'll remember, what did I tell you? And this is something that a lot of kids you know, need to also understand. You may get that offer and you may be granted the chance to wait. And you asked me, you said, look, I'm not ready to commit, which I respected. And we talked timeline. And a lot of kids don't do this. A lot of kids will, they'll hear, look, I only have 48 hours. I need to make my decision in 48 hours. And a lot of kids will panic, commit, or they'll just, they don't know what to do. And was all of a sudden not talk to the coach for a while. And, uh, but you did something that you should have done. This was your time. This is your money. This is your four years and your family wasn't ready. And so you told me, you know, coach, can I wait? Like we've got more tournaments coming up. Coach Norris wants to see me in some of these bigger events. We had some big tournaments, some big games. And yeah, I mean, that's how important you were to me. I was willing, I was willing to wait, you know? And so that's, I'm saying this because I think that a lot of kids, they panic and you don't realize that you could tell a coach, look, I, I respect your timeline, but that doesn't match my timeline. Yeah. Um, I respectfully, I would love to wait until I get through the NCFC showcase and then the ECNL event or, you know, whatever events you may have, like, can you wait? And so now you're going to kind of learn a little bit. Maybe the coach is like, no, I have to know. And now you got to have a little bit more distant, a different discussion. But sometimes the coach is like, look, great. That's, that's cool. Uh, how about I, we wait until after the first tournament, but I, and this is what I told you, Augie, I have to recruit assuming you're not going to commit to me. Yeah. At the end of the day, I ended up not getting you, but I ended up getting somebody else, which is great. I love that kid too. But I had to, I had to continue committing, you know, and re- recruiting. Yeah. I couldn't just wait around. So, you know, at the end of the day, that what we're talking about here is having the proper discussion. You had a discussion with me. Now, you obviously had a comfort level with me since I was your coach for club and everything. But you have to get that comfort level discussion with the college coaches that are offering you that you may want to go to school there. And if yeah. they give you something that you're not prepared for, you need to let them know that you're not prepared. And you need some more time. Can we can we discuss a new timeline? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And uh, you did that. That was great. And I think that that's a that's something that's a message that a lot of kids need to hear. Yeah, I think I definitely got very lucky, you know, having the relationship with you that I did and just you being so flexible. Um, but I think going off of having that level of comfortability, I think that's something like if you're talking to a school and they give you that hard deadline and you try to like you know, say, I'm not ready for this. It's getting you to a point of comfortability with that coach. Like it's building a relationship with him, continuing the talk. And like, if you do end up going to that school, you kind of have, like, he knows you're honest. And like, I I feel like it builds some trust and kind of builds your relationship with that coach down the line. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. And if I can chime in, like from a parent's perspective, um, Sorry, Augie. I thought you were old enough that I don't embarrass you anymore. Um, uh, no, I just, you know, I obviously talked to Michael's parents a lot and, and Augie's mom. And, you know, we were all like, you know, what's this process? And, and you know, we all were very lucky to have cheese um, to, to help us navigate the process. Everyone needs a cheese in their life when they, they do. 
when they go <laughs> through this process. And so that's why, you know, I started this podcast and, and that's why cheese is such an integral part of it is because not everybody has a cheese in their life, kind of. But um, it, it's invaluable to have as many meaningful conversations as you can. And um, you made a great point. Um, I'm proud of you for thinking on that level of like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, developing a relationship with someone so that they trust you. I think that's fantastic. And I think that everyone should should really strive for that when you're going through this process, because you're going to have to deal with the coach that you commit to for, well, in Michael's case, only a year, but, um, you yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, for, for a pretty long period of time and, you know, you guys will be friends with cheese for the, forever. I mean, it's because of the relationship that you guys established with him. So, um, I just wanted to throw in from the parents perspective and you do feel, you do feel pressure. Like other kids start signing and, and you're like, well, when's, when's my kid going to commit somewhere, you know, that kind of thing. But you just have to trust the process and, and not, not give in to those feelings of, you know, missing out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Augie. Yeah, I was going to say, I just, off of that, I feel like you and mom definitely did a good job kind of giving me my space when I was in that situation. Not saying, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, like, all your friends are doing this. Um, you kind of just said, you know, if you want to wait, then we're going to let you do your thing. Like we support you and we'll figure out whatever it is, whether that was a financial piece or, you know, anything along those lines. They're just like, if you think this is the right place for you, then you can wait it out. Um, yeah. I think I just pushed you to talk to cheese as much as possible. <laughs> like cheese AI. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. But I, I think there needs to be more people like cheese and like there needs to be more conversations with kids and parents and coaches because if you look at how many kids are either out of school that they don't like and are kind of going through the motions or a kid who's in the transfer portal or a kid who ended up at this school because that was his, like he just went there just for the sake of it. There needs to be more continuity between like a college coach, I believe, and like parents, players and their club coaches. So that there's more of like a fluid transition from like a club to a college because I just think that they're just, I just, it's such like, it's a weird process, the whole college commitment things. And I think a kid who's 14 and a parent who's never, like my parents, never played soccer in their entire life. I was the first kid that ever, you know, first influence of soccer into, into their lives. And then my dad has no idea what soccer is. You know, we're talking to me who's the first kid and then it's like all these different things it's like okay well there should be people dedicated to talk to these people or some type of environment where it's just being honest with each other which i think this podcast already is doing a good job but yeah that's just one of my thoughts that i had no i mean that look that's an excellent point and um you know even without the college background you there are resources of course every club has resources but to be able to talk to a, specifically a college coach in the business, in the recruiting process. I mean, it's changing all the time. Yeah. And just because there's a kid in the club that went to this school five years ago, that doesn't mean the next kid that's similar to him is going to go to that same spot. And it's the same fit. And it's the same, like it's everybody, right. every single one of you has a different journey. Every single one of you has a different background, a different story, a different financial situation, 
different desires, different social. I mean, look at how different your social uh, requirements became. Like, what did you want socially out of your college experience compared to what you wanted it socially out of it when you were 15 years old? I mean, it changed dramatically. And um, every single one of you guys is a different, a different character. I mean, as much as we had an awesome team with some pretty good continuity on that team, every single one of you guys was a completely different character right. with completely different dreams and aspirations. And that means William and Mary and Christopher Newport are not the perfect choices and Trinity are not the perfect choices for all of you. You know, they, they ended up being that way for you, Michael, it ended up being that way for you, Augie. And, uh, but you have to search, you have to find it, you have to fact find and ask your, ask your coaches. Of course, your club coaches are going to be the, the low hanging fruit, the ones you want to go talk to. But if you can find a relationship with the college coach, that's going to be the, the key to life and, um, you know, getting those honest answers. And if you don't have that, that capability, you know, that's something that we've talked about. Well, people are going to tell you what you are based off of your recruiting situation. You know, Augie, you talked about it. a lot of division three coaches were reaching out to you. You know, that means you were probably more in the tweener area of, all right, so I've got some division one interest, but I got some division three interest that puts you in the tweener area. And, you know, you didn't get a whole bunch your freshman year, but you developed a ton and you figured some stuff out. And next thing you know, you developed into an integral part of that program. But if you had ended up at a different division one school where you didn't get the opportunity to play as early as you did, you may still be sitting down, even yeah. though you're clearly a very good division one soccer player. And it's just, you found the right fit. You found the right fit. You found a coach that's going to develop you and spend time on you and had a plan on for you. And you guys executed the plan. And uh, you, you could have asked him. You could have asked him when you were 17 years old, the day before you committed, you could have said, what is your plan for me? And he would have told you, and I bet you it looks exactly the way. Oh, no, yeah, he told me. It's, it's exactly, right. it's exactly right. what I said. So, yeah, I mean, so you, you figured, but you know that. You could have asked Chris. You might have. And Chris would have told you that. I mean, that's. That's the types of questions that kids have to ask coaches. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's kudos. It's good. I thought both of you guys did a really good job in your process. You know, Michael, I, I know you transferred, so it sounds like you didn't make a good decision, but I thought you made an excellent decision. I was excited for you. I know that I know that in the community, we were pumped for you. I was really looking forward to watching you play. I wasn't looking forward to dealing with you in our spring match, but I was looking yeah. forward to you being in town still, and I can go – See you score some goals, you know, like I thought you made a good decision and you had a great, I mean, William Mary, it's an awesome academic spot. Chris, Oh, it's great. You know, but you figured it out that it wasn't the perfect fit for you. And uh, it's interesting, man. I've, I've talked about you quite a bit in the recruiting trail because, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with a lot of coaches and there are a lot of guys in division three that are mad that you are in division three. <laughs> and so, and they know, they know that you played for me. And so they're like, what happened there? And uh, I basically, this is the answer I give them. Okay. So as you know, I, I, I've known Paul for a, a while. And so if you remember our breakfast, you know, I was, you were giving me the rundown yep. of kind of what schools you were looking for. And a lot of them were in the division three world because you were looking at big cities. I remember you talking about Emory and NYU, and I believe you said Chapman because of the LA, you know, connection there. Yep. And the only thing I was thinking was, great, this kid's going Division Three. I better send him as far away as I possibly can. <laughs> but I need to send you somewhere that, you know, like, you're coming to me. I need to send you somewhere that I think is an awesome place. And, I mean, we've been to Trinity a bunch of times. Uh, when I was an assistant under Steve, we went down there a bunch. And so I've gotten to know Paul pretty pretty well. And uh, so when people come up to me, like the Colorado college coach, we're going out to play those guys this year. And he's like, 
wait, you, why'd you send him there? You know, like, why didn't you take him? I'm like, I mean, you know, that, that was the first thing I asked. I said, you know, Michael, you can go play for me if you want. You know, I, Newport News is way different than Williamsburg. It's really far away, too. You know, we kind of fit that bill. But yeah, uh, no, but talk about why you made that change. You know, like I, I mentioned Trinity because, well, it's in San Antonio. I really like the coach down there. It's an excellent soccer program. So you, you go on your visit. And what sold you? Why did you make that decision? Uh, okay, well, right. So pretty much I went on the visit, like you said. You said it was, Paul was a great guy. That night, actually, after we went out to breakfast, I'm on the phone with you know this English guy from San Antonio. And I'm like, I'm walking down my like neighborhood streets. I'm like, who is this guy? He's, he's talking my ear off. <laughs> and, and then to fast forward two weeks, I'm down there and I just fell in love with it, you know. Uh, the campus is beautiful. It's close to the city, but not directly on the city. So it's it's a little buffer zone between like city life and then like you know uh, college life. And it's always sunny here. I love the sun. Um, I felt like, like the coach had a plan for me. Of course, Paul like he's a great guy. He's a great coach. Um, but he kind of made me feel like I was really really wanted, and I appreciated that. And then my personal goals. Um, I don't really mind if it's a big school or a smaller school. I was like, you know, whatever works is fine for me. But I wanted to in the soccer aspect. I was like, okay. So I played Division One for a year. If you tell me I only have three more years left of college soccer, like what do I want to do the most? Like what do I – do I want to win a national championship in Division One, in Division Three? Do I want to be a role player and play like out of position maybe? Do I want to play my primary position and score a bunch of goals? And what I came to is I was like, if I only have three more years left – let me do what I want to do the best every game I play. Give me the opportunity to score goals, to have fun, to lead a team, to help you know bring young players into the mix and teach them different ways to score goals and to attack. And so originally going into college the first time, I didn't know that I wanted to be more of like a role model and more of like a, a, a leader amongst the group. I just wanted to go and score as many goals as I could and be a beast. <laughs> but I kind of found that I was like, okay, if I am transferring, you know, I love scoring goals. I love, you know, all these other things in soccer. So let me try and find a school that fits these things. And then when I came, I was like, this, this, it, it makes sense. It's, it's perfect. So that was kind of my thought process on the whole, on the transferring thing. Yeah. You're, you're kind of a, a rare piece because usually guys that get the offers that you get, I mean, some of the phone calls that I got when you entered the portal, I mean, within minutes of you entering the portal, uh, I was getting phone calls and they weren't just division three schools. It was, you know, other spots that, you know, I could list them all off and people like, Oh yeah, all across the country, you would have heard of these schools. And, um, you know, but, after our conversation, you said these things, you said the things that you're saying right now, which that means you are putting so much thought into not just the moment, not just, you know, what can I post on Instagram? You're thinking to yourself, what do I actually love? What do I want? What, what, where can I go get the most, you know, for my experience? Yeah. And you put aside anything other than what's the absolute best school for me. And that was, that was so, I mean, obviously, I don't want to play against you, but I was really excited that you went through that, that thought process. I mean, you just mentioned a couple of comments right there that a lot of kids don't even think about. All they're thinking about is, you know, like, all right, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, you know, Augie talking about all of his buddies committing and stuff. And it's like, 
they're just thinking about that. Like I need to go to the, the coolest spot, the best name or something like that. A lot of kids think that way. I've had yeah. kids say that to me. You know, I had a, I had a girl, you know, I, awesome kid. She, she'd come to my training sessions sometimes with the boys teams. And I was trying to help her in the recruiting process. And uh, I asked her, I said, well, if you went division three, what, what would you think? Would you think that you were a failure? And she said, yeah. And I, I asked her to be very honest with me. And she said, yeah. And I, I respected that she said that. I love that she said that. And I've talked to her since then. And she knows that that was like a mistake. And this isn't to, to boost division three or look down on division one. It was, she was looking at the process the wrong way. And if she had looked at it the right way, she probably would have ended up at another school. And, um, you know, it, it's just neat. It was, it was cool to hear you say, both of you, the way that you approached your process, the way that you asked yourself the right questions, you talked to the right people. I mean, look at where you are. Both of you are in awesome spots with good careers and you're going to be old men with little kids one day and uh, you're going to be able to explain to them and you're going to have an awesome thing to tell them about. A really cool four, five year, whatever experience because of your COVID eligibility. That's, that's the whole point, guys. And that's something that we try to stress at all levels, division one, division two, three, doesn't matter. We all want you to understand that it's the, it's the full experience. It's not just, all right, wh where am I going to go? You know, like, wh what can I brag about? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Kudos to both of you for doing that. It's uh, it's, it's something that I'm very proud of for both of you. Yeah, definitely couldn't have done it without you. Yep. Our community. Exactly. Well, I clearly didn't do the right thing because neither one of you came to me. So uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to approach the next two Michael Mises and Augie Coopers much differently. I'm not helping them at all. I'm just going to bash other programs and I'm getting them to come to me. I'm going very selfish in this process from here on out. There we go. Um, Michael, talk about your experience now that you're down in San Antonio and, um, you know, your first year playing there and then, you know, what you're looking for. Well, yeah, just go through the timeline of how it's gone down there and, and your experience. Gotcha. So I came <laughs> down two years ago around this time um, for captain's practices. It was interesting because the team Trinity has is quite big. It's like 50, 60 kids the first, uh, the first day of preseason. So I'm there and there's 60 new faces that I haven't met before. So it's at first it was quite in interesting. Like, you know, I don't have any friends yet. I family is a million miles away. Um, but once that happened, the first year went really well. Um, kind of everything that I wanted to happen happened that year. Um, after a few bad seasons, you know, I didn't have a senior season, didn't have a freshman season, really. It was nice to say to myself, you know what, like I proved myself right that, you know, I went to a good place, good academic place, good college, and I scored goals. You know, I thought that I played pretty well. Um, and that was great. It was cool to see that it was cool to travel. I think that was one of the biggest things, just being in a different part of the country you know, we're going to Colorado on a, you know, a midweek flight to play on Friday. And then we're going to Louisiana. We're going to Houston, Dallas, all these cooler places. Uh, we went to Seattle for our playoff games. So that was a cool aspect that I didn't think um, I would appreciate as much as I did. Um, but looking back, it was a great year of soccer. And then fast forwarding to last year, I came in. I felt like I was going to do really well again. And unfortunately, I got hurt. But I think the good part about all the research that I did about, you know, what school to go to or the country is that I got hurt the fourth, fifth game. And then I still loved the school as much as I did before I, when I was playing soccer. So it wasn't, 
back to like Jesus' point in the beginning, you know, are you going to go to a school that you want to go to or are you just doing it for a different reason? So I, I guess those two seasons are very, you know, contrasting in terms of success. But then, you know, this is going to be my third year here and I'm hoping that I can replicate the form I had my first year um, this season. So, yeah, that's so, a long uh, summary. Of- you, you thought that you did pretty well your first year there, right? I guess lots of other people did too, right? Because you were All-American, right? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I hope I did well. That cheesy voice said this saying, I'm sure you've said it a million times in this podcast. It's like, would you be happy at this school if you weren't playing soccer? Like thinking about that before you, before you make your decision. I think that's been, that was one of the biggest like staples in my recruiting process. Like thinking about schools, it's like sure. if I were to get hurt, if something were to happen to me, like where I couldn't play soccer, would I still want to be here? Would I still want to, you know, to be in this environment, experience yeah. all the things that that school had to offer? I mean, is that's the only question. Truly the only question. Like if you if you can answer that question properly, then you're going to make a good decision. And and uh, you know, to Michael's case, he got hurt, so he actually experienced it that way. But the other big reason, the more common reason for a kid to not play is we don't play you. I mean, Michael, you said sixty kids. Like yeah. that's obviously very big, you know, and most of us are in the thirties or so in um in division three. You were, it's 11 aside, you know, like you're, we're not doing line changes every five minutes. So <laughs> there's a lot of guys that don't play and there are a lot of kids that have made decisions and then they're getting cut or they, they don't play and they're just so unhappy because they're not on the field. And well, you know, that for the most part, that means that they chose a school just for soccer and not for the other reasons. So Michael's sitting there injured and can't play and, He's still happy. I mean, I was watching. I still watch some of your games. You're still on the sideline, you know, limping, but you're cheering them on. And of course, always goals, and you're still very happy and still a part of the program. So that was that was good to see. Yeah, yeah, I was really really happy you brought that up, Michael. Like really happy for you that you said that that you weren't you know just miserable. Not, I mean, obviously you're miserable not playing soccer, probably, but you had other things going on at the school that that Mm -hmm. kept you happy and content, so to speak. So. Of course, uh, yeah. Glad to hear you say that. Um, well, you talk about your experience and COVID year and what a mess that was and, and uh, you know, going into your first full year. Yeah, so COVID year, uh, we had six games in the spring. I think throughout the whole spring, I played 60 minutes maybe. And the first game that I started was against JMU. I got my COVID shot the day before. My armpits were swollen. And I felt like shit. <laughs> that was the first time I started, the last time I started that season. Um, but then, yeah, so sophomore year, started getting a little bit more minutes. Um, I was at that game. They subbed you out pretty quick. Yeah, no, it was pretty yeah. quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, I I got pictures of you. You know, staying yeah, there. I, mean, I was still playing the game. Like I was still yeah. there. You yeah. still played more minutes than your father and I combined in Division One. So uh, we're still <laughs> very proud of you. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, but, uh, so then going into sophomore year, um, still kind of towards the bottom half of the roster, getting more minutes, but still 
still not where I wanted to be. Um, and it was definitely motivation. I definitely started, you know, took a step back and I was like, all right, I need to really like, if I really do want to play and I really want to make a difference on this team, then I just have to start, you know, doing more than what I was already doing. So got more minutes sophomore year. Um, and then junior year, I was getting a lot more minutes playing halves. And then I honestly don't remember what the exact reason was, but we made like a starting 11 kind of change a few games into the season. And I started that game, played a 90. And then I think the rest of the season, I came out one time for 10 minutes. So that was the most minutes in a season I've played in my life. Definitely wasn't easy on the body, mm-hmm. but I think I think that was just a really cool thing seeing you know hard work come to fruition, and seeing how it feels to have an impact on the team. And I think it was cool. Like I've always kind of considered myself like I guess a leader any on any team that I go to, and I was trying to be the best leader I could be from the sideline and in practice and all that kind of stuff, helping younger guys when I was like sophomore year, the freshman. But I think it's definitely a different thing being a leader on the field. You have to kind of take a step back and calm yourself sometimes, kind of get caught up in a match. But I think it was definitely a hard freshman year. Me and Michael had a little bit of a rough experience um, getting kicked off campus because of COVID guidelines. Um, but yeah, there were, there were definitely a lot of long, since me and Michael have known each other for so long, we, uh, had a lot of late night deep talks just about where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do. Talked about transferring probably every day for that freshman year. Um, yeah, just about. Yeah. So obviously we took different routes. I decided to stick it out and see where I could go, um, I think I made the right decision. I think Michael made the right decision. So I think it was kind of cool seeing, and like you said earlier, Norris, he gave me the plan of what his plan was for me in the program is you come in, you're getting some minutes freshman, sophomore year, and then junior year, uh, you're going to be an impact player or like we see you as an impact player. So it was pretty much scripted and that's what happened. So, Talk a little bit about, like, um, as youth players, and then we'll get into college, but, like, as youth players, talk about the extra work you guys put in, um, you know, extra minutes on the field, um, you know, whatever you were doing to to get more fit, to get more game ready, to develop yourself technically, and that sort of thing. Um, Michael, what, what kind of stuff did you do away from just the – three training sessions a week and the match on the weekend or whatever the schedule was, or did you, I mean, you just ooze talent. So you probably, <laughs> Oh, I, <laughs> I, I was very honest here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was definitely very lucky that I had a lot of natural talent. Um, but I, I think when I look back on it, I just love the game so much that, and I was lucky that I had parents who loved me a lot. So I think there was a time where, probably sixth grade to, I don't know, sophomore, junior year, high school, where I was playing, you know, four or five times a week. I would go to like a, we would have like an A team, B team, C team. I would go to like the C team practice 
and just play with them on like a Monday and a Friday or a Monday and a Thursday when we had practice Tuesday, Wednesday and, and, and Friday. So I think me, I just love the game so much that I'm willing to like practice every day and then play a game on the weekend just because not necessarily to get better, just because I love to be around my friends, to be around kids who also love soccer. Um, so I think that was, I think just the fact that, that I love the game is a big reason of why I developed the way I did. And of course the natural talent part as well, but I also played, uh, <laughs> also I ran track a lot too, uh, just in throughout my years, not that that made me faster, but that was just a good like contrast to, okay, like we're in soccer season, soccer ended. Then I have like a down period of like three months in the winter and I can run track, get my mind away from soccer. So that was, that was fun too. I don't think that's why I was as good as I was with soccer, but it was cool to have two sports to play. Yeah. 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 I think for me, it's playing like a couple other sports to kind of keep in better shape. Uh, done swim team, basketball, they cross country. Um, freshman and sophomore year, I think that definitely played a big part in the kind of player I am today. I think I definitely had some genetics for my endurance, but that cross country definitely helped with that. Um, not for your speed. Not for my speed. For you my didn't endurance. have any help. I didn't say speed. I said endurance. That's not where he's there. Different types of running. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to be honest, like with soccer, I would do some of those extra practices, like going to an older team or like stuff like that. But I mean, honestly, didn't really do a whole lot. Like, I, I'm trying, I don't know how to put it. Like, I played a lot of soccer. That's for sure. But wasn't like I was lifting weights and like doing all these like technical sessions and stuff like that. Well, a lot of you guys had, uh, I mean, how many fields do you have really close by and a bunch of buddies that want to go kick around? I mean, I know that Ryland and Dom, I think are on the soccer field still every single day with Bryce and some of those guys that are just complete donkeys, of course. Uh, you know, but you have the opportunity to go out and just, just go kick around with your buddies all the time. I mean, War Warhill has how many goals and open space for you yeah. guys just to go out and run yeah. around on? I mean, that's just just such a cool thing to have in your own backyard. That's that's just a you know just it just it's it makes it easy. You know, I'm recruiting this kid a little bit from Minnesota, and uh, I it's cold there, and you know they the mom kind of joked around and said uh, the, the the only month I think that she said the only month that we know we're not going to get any snow is July. <laughs> um, like what? Oh, unbelievable! And uh, but they have, um, you know, obviously they have tons of snow all the time, so it's not like they can just go to the fields. Yeah. So they have indoor uh, facilities that are beautiful and fantastic, and you just want to go in there and play all the time. But just like ice time up in the northeast or something, you have to rent that space out. You can't just open up your back door. Hey, you know, we're all meeting. It's it's eighty five degrees. It's you send a group chat and you've got twenty guys and you're playing some some games right now it's you know i feel sorry you know some of those kids up there they're like well i guess i can play at the tennis ball in my 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 bedroom but they can't even leave their house it's it's negative 20 degrees and there's you know two feet of snow on the ground no fields are open right. um, you know so you guys are in a in an environment that allows you to do that's really cool and you got a lot of buddies that wanted to play and you know i feel like most of the kids that were recruiting fall into that category where they have a cool you know high school field or something right around the backyard mm-hmm. they go meet up and kick around and just doing that's pretty cool. You guys also had a uh, another coach, you know, Mr. Kamara there that was 
trying to keep you guys fit as much as he can. And, you know, you guys had a lot of a lot of opportunities to, of course, do something more than just your scheduled club practices and games. So that was I know you guys were taking good advantage of it. Oh, no. Yeah, of course. I I think the past two summers, of course, bar the ankle surgery I had, but I think I touched the ball every single day of the summer, mm. last summer and the summer before. And then the COVID summer that we had, uh, funny enough, me, me and Dom and my friend Adam, uh, we went out to the field every single day. I think from probably when school ended, like May 13th, whenever that COVID date was, yeah. to like I, May 13th to like July, right when I went to William Mary. So the past three summers, every five days a week, I have a soccer ball at my feet in some capacity. So yeah, yeah. that's great stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask like, uh, how things changed once you kind of got settled into college and, you know, you felt it, it just made the change the way you felt about soccer or did it just make you love it more? Yeah, I think, I guess at Trinity made me love it more. I mean, we have our season in the fall, we play in the fall. I guess the day after the season ends, two weeks go by and then, all the guys are doing captain's practices three days a week. And then come the spring, the first day we're pop, we can come back to, to campus, we set a schedule. It's like, okay, we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And we have a team of 60 kids, so we get 40 out there, split it up into you know, four groups of seven or eight with some goalkeepers. And from literally from February or January, whenever school starts, to the start of our spring season, and then after our spring season to end of school, Every week we're playing three, four times a week. Um, obviously not every kid, but for me, I love the game so much that you know mm. I'm playing. I'm playing all the time. So for me, it was I love the game. Whether I'm in college, whether I'm in high school or middle school, whether I'm in, in winter break, summer break, it doesn't matter. I play it all the time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd say pretty much the same for me. For freshman year, obviously with COVID, was different. Um, it's kind of just a weird situation for anyone going through it at that time. But, you know, as things kind of started getting back to normal, started getting more fun, started loving the game, or just as much as I did before that COVID season. And I think it was just, it's super fun to play at a very competitive level and pretty just working hard every day to you know, support your team, support your program. Um, but if we were talking about like what we were doing extra, if we went back to that, it's like different than high school. I actually started lifting weights in college. So I touched a weight for the first time other than my like weight class in, in high school. Um, no, but I think, yeah, a lot of kids, you know, get into the gym, start going to the fields on or by themselves, like little groups running when we're not at practice taking care of your body, like actually watching what you eat and watching just anything you put in your body, it all becomes a lot more important. So I think it definitely, it definitely changes a lot in those aspects, but once you get back to it, it's still the same game you fell in love with when you were like three or four years old. Yeah. And then, I guess one transition from high school and middle school to college is, I guess in high school you have, you know, your, your parents drive you to practice all the time. And 
and you have like a few kids on the team who don't care about soccer, a few kids who love it, a few kids who are really good, but it's, it's a, it's a varying group. But in college, some of the best moments I've ever had are just when we're at practice and those like few kids that just love the game so much, they're passionate, you know, you're going up against them, you're just screaming, barking, cussing, and it's all friendly, it's all fun, but it's just like that, those are the moments that differentiate, I guess, club youth soccer in most cases to college. And just, I love those moments so much. And then, you know, you shake hands after the practice is over and then you are that much closer to all your friends because, you know, you share those same interests and you, you know, care so much about the game. That's good. Yeah. Um, we're keeping cheese up past his bedtime. So, uh, <laughs> you guys have anything else to uh, add before we wrap this up? I don't think so. Not for me. August. August. <laughs> it's still pretty sunny here. Yeah. You yeah. can still train tonight. Can't you? I could. I did this morning. Okay. Yeah, wait, Can I do it again though? I'm going to have golf balls after work. There we go. <laughs> a little bit of pirate's yeah, code. Actually, before you guys get going here, um, both of you are doing, obviously, things that are not soccer-related at your places. So, Augie, you're actually working with one of my alums, and you know, you're know you working in an internship right now, and it's a whole different world for you than, uh, you know, at least job-wise. I mean, I don't know what else you've done for a living in the past, but – you know, this is as re as real as it gets now for you that, you know, it's it's an internship. So, and you know, Michael, I want you to also speak on the other things you're doing besides just going to school and playing soccer and what you both are doing to kind of prepare yourselves for, well, when you're going to graduate one day. And uh, I'm assuming Barcelona and Manchester United aren't going to sign you both. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know, but you're probably going to have a job in something other than soccer. So, why don't you kind of explain what you're doing now and what your what your goals are and why you're doing those things for, you know, life after college. Yeah, so I guess I'll kick it off. Um, yeah, I'm interning, like she said. I have a nine-to-five corporate internship uh, <laughs> working with Davis, who's Cheese's alum. Um, yeah, I mean, so you want me to say what I'm doing, like, to prepare for the season? Well, you sound really excited about the job and about how fun and <laughs> how well, I can't wait to graduate and do this for a living. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, I like what I'm doing. I like the type of work I'm doing, but it makes you realize how much you don't want this life to end of being a collegiate athlete and hmm. not wanting to leave college because there's so much more to college than just soccer. Like, you're spending, yeah. you're spending time with your best friends every single day, and you're, there are no parents – you don't have to worry about, and I guess some cases you don't have to worry about like financials in some cases. Um, you're living for like, you're kind of just living a dream. Like you're doing pretty much whatever you want while being able to play and sport you love at a very high level. And I think sometimes even myself, I can take that for granted. And, but sometimes it's good to take a step back and realize like a lot of people would kill to be in the shoes that, collegiate athletes are in so i think mm. it's kind of humbling and just uh makes you appreciate it so much more what is your major business analytics so business analytics and you have a job and what's your job title 
Uh, so yeah, I'm business analytics with a supply chain concentration. Uh, so he's a janitor. <laughs> he's a janitor. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Uh, no, so I'm at I'm at Ferguson, which is a big mm. corporation, and uh, I'm a supply chain intern. Right, but but why did you choose to do that? I mean, you're going to graduate with a degree, so you're probably going to just be handed a job since you got a degree, right? That's, yeah, that's mean, how it is, right? Because you're you're a college graduate, so you're the smartest person in the world. <laughs> well, no, that's that's not the case, right? You needed to do more for your resume to separate yourself, and yeah, um, you know this. That's the whole point. Otherwise, why would you be doing the job? So, uh, yes. you know, what what do you think that this is going to do on your resume, and you know, what's the point for the future? Yeah, so I mean, the past two summer, or I guess, trying to think, I guess since I was sixteen, I've had part time jobs every summer. Um, the past two summers, I played on a summer team while also having a part-time job. Mm. And then it's kind of getting to the point where I was like, you know, I got to be realistic and, you know, come to terms with I'm probably not going to be playing after college. So I need to kind of get get my foot in the door of, you know, building my resume, just making myself more marketable in the corporate world and career finding space so yeah my goal this summer was to make money get something good on my resume and try to stay in as best shape as i could even without playing soccer for the season so i'm not letting myself down and let my team down it's awesome michael what are you uh what are you doing to prepare yourself other than a college degree yeah, so this okay. year, I'm, or this summer, I'm doing, obviously, rehab because I had the surgery a little bit ago. But I'm also doing research for the sports management uh, professor at Trinity. Um, it's like nonprofit research about if um, going abroad with programs is effective. Um, you know, is it good, bad? What are the pros, cons, all that stuff? Um, but I guess that's in the bigger picture, planning on be, like helping me become um, an AD. That's like my end, end goal. I want to be an athletic director or a principal or a president of the university. And I love education. I want to be around, you know, you know, kids who want to learn, who want to get better, who want to, you know, play sports. I want to help manage a college in a perfect world to, you know, be the best college they can for the student athletes and then the, the kids who aren't athletes. So that's my end goal. So that's what I'm kind of doing this research. And then um, I got my major is government, but I, that's kind of, a means to an end. I want to go to graduate school and get a education administration degree. And then that's, that's my overall goal to be an, an AD eventually for a university. Nice. So that's yeah. great. So you both are not just students that kick the soccer ball around and have some fun on the weekends, you know, like, you know, it's something that we, we stress, you know, in the recruiting process, I talk to kids all the time about, you know, what else are you going to add to your resume? You know, you're, you're going to get a good a degree. That's great. How many tens or hundreds of thousands of kids are going to get a degree at the same time as you? Yep. You know, what is going to separate yourself? Why would someone hire you instead of just the other soccer kid that went to a different school down the road? And so, uh, you know, it, it's great that you're doing that. It's great that you picked up some stuff and you've kind of narrowed down what you want to do for, you know, post, you know, post-college life. And you're doing things that are going to push you into that world. And, uh, you know, it's it's a scary world, but it's a fun world, man. So uh, no, I'm, I'm proud of both of you. That's cool that you're doing that. It's it's great that you're doing great things, and uh, you know it's it's funny how far you've come in. What has it been? 
13 years, 12 years since I first met you guys. Yeah, it's been a while. Hey, speak for Michael knowing what he wants to do. I'm still clueless. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, yeah? That's not a bad place to be. I'm still He's figuring it out. <laughs> you still have time. Yeah, still time. Plenty of time. We'll find. We'll figure it out one day. Yeah, we'll work that's together. Good. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds cool. We'll collaborate. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, cheese. Uh, they've come a long way, haven't they? Yeah, that's yeah, funny. <laughs> they used to be cute and cool, and now they're like <laughs> talking about getting jobs. And, yeah. uh, you know, drawing it's, dirty it's, pictures on the back of your truck and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That thing that Alexio drew on my car, even after I washed it, I could see it like if the sun hit the window at the right spot, you could see that thing. And it might I, still know be that people, yeah, I know that people were driving by my car like, hey, man, <laughs> wipe the thing off. That's hilarious. Did we do the outro music as the song we say? What's that? Oh, the, the outro? Music. Yeah. Hey, that's, I still I'm definitely that putting song. it down. As the intro for uh, when I when I post this podcast. Oh, that would be Do a beautiful it. one. Oh, I still listen to that song. Yeah. I, saw it on, I saw it on Instagram the other day. They like, oh, yeah. actually gave me the chills. Well, we're talking about it, so it's probably going to pop up on your feeds and stuff. So be ready yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't I didn't thought about that song in so long. And the same exact video came up yeah. with those guys in the pub singing it. Yeah. Well, so tell that story. You guys tell the story of, of that song and, and why, what, you know, how it came to be and whatever. Because it was really cool. I feel like that's well, you, I think you how, how old were you guys? Were you 11 that year? Yeah, Around like, then. 12, probably. 12, maybe. You know what? It was the first year we went to U13 because you guys were still with Coach Shaw and he went to China and I kind of took you guys over at 12 uh, at the end of the season. You guys had started your stake up run. And, uh, and they gave me you guys to finish off that season because I was going to take you guys in the fall. And that's when we introduced the song. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's Savage, it's Savage Garden, right? Yeah, Truly really uh, Madly Deeply. Truly yeah. Madly Deeply. And uh, I saw I – think, I think that my guys in the locker room were playing it or somewhere, playing it on the TV or or something. And I, I remember hearing the song, and it's, it's these English guys in a bar – they probably had a few pints <laughs> and they're singing Savage Garden, truly madly deeply, but they've got like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's English soccer They're They've got chants, they've got songs. And it just, the whole time you're listening to it, you're like, this is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, Scott, you know, was, was coaching with us and he had a big, he had a speaker and we, you guys were playing music at pregame and I'm like, all right, let's turn this on. Let's see what happens. And it, it started off with, Let's just make this our song. But then, like, I don't know if it was immediately or what, but within, you know, a couple of weeks, you guys learned the lyrics and it just became, I mean, it was we were walking kind of, a song. It was kind of obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I would literally, like, I would have it, I would be yeah. holding it and we would all be walking in a pack together. Yeah. And we'd all just like, we'd just be singing and everyone would be looking at us like, what the hell is Everybody, this? everybody in the park would stop and look because all these 12 year olds are singing and you know, these two old men are like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like pumping up these kids. But the coolest, the coolest thing, like a couple of things were pretty cool. Like guys like Logan would get like emotional singing about it. You know, a couple of the chants would, he'd get like really aggressive yeah. with it. And, but the absolute coolest thing was we would play that song. We'd walk up, people would be staring. And then we would like 
dominate the game and win like six nothing <laughs> and then we'd just leave we'd get out of there and go get some food you know so it yeah. was it was pretty it was a pretty epic year of singing savage garden yeah was some soccer. it was it was it pretty was cool like, it was like your guys version of the haka that uh, the new zealand rugby yeah. team did. yeah that's right because we were all like latched on to each other and yeah. we'd walk out together and we're all singing and uh that's what it's all you about. Guys, you guys are a little embarrassed at first, but then after a couple of times, you're like, we're singing as loud as we can. We're yeah. going to it's like, it was definitely like a progression of how many people knew the lyrics. So like there yeah. were a couple people at the beginning were like, and then everyone's just blasting it. Yeah, by the end, people were getting pretty pumped about it. That was yeah. that was one of the coolest moments, man. That was a that was a fun <laughs> year of of soccer that year for yeah, sure. That was that was awesome. Yeah. It was it was very much. All right. That is a good note to end on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tales from the Trail and that you found two college athletes sharing their stories to be valuable and insightful. Continue to reach out with questions, comments, and feedback. I listen and do my best to get your questions answered by people who work in and around college soccer. Please continue to subscribe and share the podcast and follow Match Play on social media.